Hoover argues that it doesn't dispatch vehicles. They absolutely set the rates, they set the conditions by which an Uber driver can drive, and to suggest that they're not employees I think is disingenuous. What do state politicians do? Pass a drastic law that could eliminate hundreds of thousands of jobs. It would require an overhaul of the entire business model. It's not a switch that can be flipped overnight. Please vote no on Proposition 22. And they are willing to sacrifice more than 400,000 jobs. The iPhone didn't invent gig work, but it's a helpful starting place. The explosion of smartphones, ever-present internet, and GPS opened up a world of opportunity for on-demand services. Ah, yes, everything could be reimagined, and much of it was, with little success. Silicon Valley has a habit of throwing multi-billion dollars worth of spaghetti against a very large wall to see if anything sticks. For every idea that wriggled to the floor, well, some ideas stuck. The idea seems so simple it was impossible. Average people could drive you where you wanted to go. They get money, you don't have to deal with a cab or worry if you have cash because the payment is processed in the app. It would never work. The taxi unions would crush it. The cities wouldn't allow it. The liability would be outrageous. And the rest is history. It was its own genre of company, gig work. To the worker, make extra money on the side. Pick and choose when you work. No one to boss you around. To the customer, what you want when you want it. If someone is willing to do it, they will get it to you ASAP. Soon we see the boom. The Uber of dry cleaning, the Uber of food delivery, the Uber of, well, ride hailing if you don't like Uber. As the company's IPO and the customers grow dependent on the services, one question gets louder. Is this fair? I mean, none of these workers are employees. They don't get the protections and benefits of this runaway success. In fact, when you factor in the wear and tear to your vehicle, is this even a good deal? Do these people even make money? Forget if this is fair, is this moral? Today, the clash between the technology-driven new economy and California regulators is about to explode. A statewide battle ends on November 3rd, and the results could redefine how these apps work or if they even exist. This is the story of a company built on the defiance of government, how unions and workers pushed back, and how California voters will decide if gig work will ever be the same. This is Special, the future of gig work. A co-production of the Daily Tech News Show and Politics, 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 featuring Justin Robert Young and Tom Merritt. Mark Cuban has said his biggest regret in business is turning down a chance to be an initial investor in Uber. In his mind, the idea would flame out because local governments wouldn't allow it. Taxi unions are entrenched in major markets, and you'd need those major markets to make this idea work. Laws would invariably be passed to make sure that those interests were served. Uber CEO Travis Kalanick knew this is a problem. But he had a solution. Run in those cities anyway. Don't wait for approval from a system you think is rigged against you. Force the hand of local government city by city. Give consumers and gig workers the option. Let the city council take it away from them and then pour money into opposing that government body. Miami, Las Vegas, New York City, 
once the mecca of taxi lobbies, all eventually fall to the ride-hailing revolution. But that same devil-may-care attitude that seeded the aggressive strategy also finds its way into how Uber treats its workforce. The rates for drivers begin shrinking, and initially, drivers are unable to work for competing ride-hailing services like Lyft. All of this while Uber explodes. Soon, questions turn from should Uber be able to offer rides to should Uber and all of the gig economy companies, including competitors Lyft, DoorDash, Postmates, and Instacart, be able to have a fully independent contractor workforce at all? Yeah, this is when uh, everybody stopped calling it ride sharing. You know, and yeah. this myth that all Uber's <laughs> doing is is letting you you take your own car and pick up somebody, and we facilitate the payment to ride hailing. Like this is a taxi service. Come on. Well, and there was also a a change in how Uber talked about themselves. Initially, they would pitch drivers on how much money you could make in how little time. That would almost pitch it as a full time job. As these problems became bigger and bigger on the legal side, you started seeing language like, get your side hustle on. We're not trying to be your main way you make money. We're trying to be the way that you pay for that family vacation. Yeah, there's there's some key decisions that show that they wanted all the benefits of being a full-time employer without having to pay people to, okay, but... To get away with that, we we can't stop you from driving for Lyft or else this is never going to pass muster. So, okay, fine. We'll take that away. We'll let you drive for Lyft and DoorDash and whatever else. And that that starts to make the side hustle thing feel more real. But again, this I mean, this thing started as uh, we just want to let the black car drivers, you know, ha- have a little extra work to we want anybody with a car to just be able to pick up a few dollars to, you know, you're going to you're going to make this uh, a whole lot of money super fast to like, no, no, no. We're just a platform. <laughs> we, just, we are a tech company and that's it. We have nothing to do with cars and rides. That's well beyond us. That's your problem. Uh, we should also mention at this point before we go any further that Travis Kalanick, the former CEO, is out of the picture by the time that some of the issues we are going to go over uh, come into view, which uh, is is kind of uh, interesting, considering it is his sure. very aggressive anti-government or at least government challenging uh, DNA that really puts Uber in the position that it even is in right now. Yeah, we I mean, we aren't even going to go into gray mode and tracking journalists <laughs> for a story and exactly. all these other things that happened under Kalanick. Uh, you know, when we're we're coming into the story, when Khosr Shahi has come in, taken over the company, cleaned up its image and said, we're just a platform. That's how we are. But really, it's here that the very soul of the gig economy comes into question. Right, Tom? Exactly. The legal guns come out. Uh, for Uber from disgruntled drivers who felt taken advantage of labor unions who also felt the drivers were being taken advantage of uh, and competing businesses, taxi companies who did not benefit from the gig economy the way Uber did. And they thought it was cheating. They're like, that's not fair. We don't get to do that. The biggest domino fell April 30th, 2018. That's when the California Supreme Court issued a decision in a case called Dynamex Operations West versus Superior Court. Now you may notice Uber isn't in this decision. It's 
not because of Uber that this becomes a legal issue. It's because of another company well before Uber doing something Uber-like uh, that kind of undermines the Uber efforts. The decision of Dynamex versus the Superior Court resulted in something called the ABC test. This is a simpler and stricter version of previous standards, the Borello test, that would be used to determine if somebody's an independent contractor or an employee. All right, actually, hold on, Tom. Let, let me let me stop here just so in case people don't understand that distinction. What exactly is an independent contractor versus an employee on, let's say, like your taxes? Sure. Uh, I mean, uh, to fully answer that, you have to go into all of these court cases <laughs> and say, you know, these are all the fifteen ways you determine or or whatever. But but fundamentally speaking, if you're an independent contractor, it means you're responsible for everything. Yes. You, you, you pay for your own equipment. You file your own taxes. You are the one who has to do some voluntary withholding uh, and everything. And the company, all they do is pay you for the thing you do, right? And that's perfectly acceptable for a lot of professions like construction, for instance, or mm -hmm. accounting, where they're just like, hey, you obviously you know, do this for a living. You've got your own set of tools that you do, and we're just paying you for it, right? Uh, it's not so great. If you've got a bunch of full-time employees and one day you waltz in and say, guess what, everybody? No more health insurance. Uh, no more withholding of taxes. You'll file that on your own. Oh, by the way, we save a bunch on payroll tax. You're all independent all right, contractors. All right, now. all right. Tom, who would be dumb enough to do that? A same-day delivery company called Dynamex. No! Before 2004, uh, Dynamex classified its drivers. Uh, it was a delivery company. They, like I said, same-day delivery within California. Classified its drivers as employees, paid a minimum wage insurance, all the things you'd normally pay employees, right? They employed the people who did the driving. Uh, that ended up being fatal to their case that they had done it that way. In 2004, Dynamex decided it'd be a great idea to just classify all their drivers as independent contractors. Now, Keep in mind that date, 2004. This is before Uber comes along. Drivers were allowed to set their own schedule. They had to give advance notice, but they could set their own schedule. Drivers could reject delivery requests, although they had a limited time period in which to do it, but technically they could do it. And drivers were paid by type of delivery, not by the hour. And again, under this, the previous laws, how you were paid was part of this. If you were paid hourly, it was harder to justify someone as an independent contractor, so they started paying them by the delivery. Drivers also, to justify them as independent contractors and meet the law, had to buy their own trucks, buy their own gas, pay for the own maintenance on their trucks, pay for their own car insurance. Uh, that saves Dynamax a lot of money and satisfies the conditions of what's called the Borello test, uh, the previous way you determined whether someone was an independent contractor. Dynamax also required drivers to buy a Nextel phone to talk to dispatchers and buy uniforms, Dynamax uniforms to wear <laughs> during their deliveries. So this definitely feels like they were trying to maximize uh, maximize what they would spend for their employees. Yeah, I don't think it's a surprise to anyone that the court found for the drivers. Uh. What may have been a surprise is they didn't just apply the Borello test and say, well, you don't meet it. Here you go. Uh, the Supreme Court of California created a new test. They simplified it. They said Borello is too complicated for a situation like this. We are going to determine that a worker should be presumed an employee unless the hiring business can show all three 
of three new factors. Okay. So it's simpler. It's just three. Borrello had 11, and none of them were determinative. Here are the courts saying there's only three, and you got to meet all three if you want to say someone's an independent contractor. Okay, so this is now we have at least a clearer idea. Three-pronged attack, and you can't fail one. So here are the three. Uh, and I'm going to call them A, B, and C because it's the A, B, C test. Number A, <laughs> letter A, uh, <laughs> the worker is free from the control and direction of the hiring entity. In other words, I tell you what I want done. You go do it on your own time in your own location with your own tools. All I care is that it's done. Now, this works for accountants, right? Here's my info. Go do my books. Uh it doesn't work so much for a cucumber farmer uh, who's got a cucumber patch and wants to hire someone to pick the cucumbers to be like, hey, I'm not telling you how to do it, but the cucumbers are also on my land. Yeah. Uh, and I need you to pick them right here on my land. For Uber, give this person a ride. Enjoy. I mean, it's kind of on the fence, it right? It is. It is. Because Uber can argue, well... We're telling you that in this period of time, a ride is here for you. It is up to mm -hmm. you whether or not you would like to arrive there at that time. So Uber I could, gives them a recommended route, but they don't have to take they it. Don't I've have been plenty to. of Uber rides where they don't. Yeah. Right? So it's it's you know uh, I could see an argument for Uber there. It's fuzzy. Yeah. It's fuzzy. All right. Test B of of A, B, and C. Uh, the worker performs the work that is outside the usual course of the hiring entity's business. This is similar to the main factor in the old test. Uh, if I'm a cucumber farmer, it's hard to say that picking cucumbers is not part of my core business, right? Uh, if I'm a delivery business, it's hard to say that delivering the package is not core to my business. Yeah. But if I make an app for connecting people I don't give rides to, you do... Where are we? Yeah, that's another one. And you can definitely tell that this is probably the reason that Uber started calling themselves a technology platform oh, around yeah. the time that this became settled law. <laughs> back, back when Uber was still saying, no, you can't work for anybody else. We, we are a ride sharing company. Uh, it, it's, it's a little different. So they, they helped their case along the way. And then the final of the ABC is the C. The worker is customarily engaged in an independently established trade, occupation, or business of the same nature as the work performed. This also relies on them saying, we're just the app. Uh, and this is why Uber drivers are allowed to drive for Lyft and DoorDash and Postmates and the rest, because they can say, oh, well, see, these drivers don't just work for us. They're customarily engaged in, in driving for lots of people. Well, it seems that at least if you had a, a, a fleet of lawyers, like I am sure all of these uh, very, very well-funded unicorn companies do, that they can make an argument that the work for, for the gig workforce for these companies does fall under the ABC standard. Yes. <laughs> so here's what happened next. Uh, smelling blood in the water that, hey, but maybe these do apply to Uber and, and a lot of legislators thinking they could make it stick. Uh, the Dynamex decision came down in April 2018. And if it had been left as it was, you would have had a lot of other court cases have to happen to kind of fill in the gaps. Well, who does this really apply to and who doesn't? And how does it apply to different kind of businesses? So the state of California uh, had a bill put forward by the end of 2018. Court case in April, 
By December 3rd, Assemblywoman Lorena Gonzalez had introduced Assembly Bill 5, AB 5, that clarified the ABC test and made it law. That made it harder to tie up cases in court, arguing exceptions, which would have been absolutely what Uber would have done. Uh, They're already doing that as much as they can. And AB 5 was signed into law September 18th, 2019, went into effect January 1st, 2020. That seems shockingly fast for any kind of government decision. I think it was because the AB5, the ABC test, the Dynamex case, you know, cases don't happen lickety split. Yeah. So they had time to prepare like, oh, this is the case. They knew this was coming down the pike and they were capitalizing. The court's going to rule in our favor. Let's be ready to roll uh, when that happened. Here's the problem. They had to clarify in AB5, okay, this new stricter ABC test, we really only want to apply to Uber. So we're going to give a lot of exceptions. We're going to let a bunch of industries sit where they are right now. You're an insurance agent, a doctor, an attorney, an architect, an engineer, a private investigator, an accountant, a money manager, direct sales. We're going to give you an exception in the law that says the old rules apply to you. This new ABC test doesn't. Uh, Construction, marketing, HR, real estate, repo men. And Kevin Bacon. Uh, No. No? Not yet. Oh, why not? (laughs) AB5 While it included a clause restricting freelance writers from accepting more than 35 assignments from a single outlet, made no provisions otherwise for musicians, Ah, comedians, ah. actors. Uh, It was very vague on standard entertainment industry practices, which led to horror stories of bands not being booked at a club. Because the club was like, well, technically you'd have to be a full-time employee under the uh, new rules. This is also where you saw some of the uh, blogosphere such that it was begin to trim its ranks because they were using a lot of uh, writers as independent contractors. And now with this uh, situation being a little bit unknowable, they had to trim their ranks, decide who they were going to hire on. And the output became less than it was. Yeah. And I, I had to make changes on Daily Tech News Show. Uh, to to make sure that I didn't run afoul of this law. So on September 4th, 2020, more exceptions were signed into law. They repealed the 35 article limit, said freelance writers now just count. You can be a freelance writer. Uh, Musicians, recording artists, songwriters, producers, promoters, film support crews, visual artists, translators, and more. So they try, they're trying, as you can see, to accept everyone from AB5 except ride hailing drivers and delivery drivers. That's what this is about. It's very, very clear that this is about the gig economy that involves people driving things from one place to another based on an app. Okay, that that's how it works. That's how we got here. It was yeah. a Dynamex decision, turns into a, a bill, the bill becomes law, they, they do all the damage control on the unexpected consequences of this law that they rushed into being, and everybody said, well, that's great, right? Well, Tom, as you might imagine, the battle lines on AB5 get drawn very quickly on political lines. Uh, conservatives immediately decry that it's a vast government overreach, pointing to independent artists relying on income who are now simply out of work because overzealous politicos in Sacramento want to please labor unions who believe anyone who isn't paying dues is a freeloader. Meanwhile, on the other side, worker advocates and labor unions counter that if this parasitic form of employment isn't reined in, then the entire concept of benefits could be eroded. The bigger (laughs) the companies get, the harder it's going to be to punish them. This moment right now in 2020 
is a once-in-a-lifetime moment to change employment history for the better. But but it was still it was still just a a you know a, a political thing, right? It was it was kept above board. <laughs> Tom. You sweet summer child. Of course it was not. It gets personal very quick. Vina Duball, a labor law professor at the University of California at Hastings, whose white paper was cited in that Dynamex decision and therefore helped set the legal basis of AB5, calls attention to the fact that she is being harassed online from opponents to the law. To hear her say it, she has no relationship to it. A CNET article details what it alleges is a targeted campaign of harassment toward Duball and Lorena Gonzalez, the state rep who wrote AB5. And the CNET article goes further, saying that this is an organized smear campaign that is funded by Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, Instacart, and Postmates. Ah, propaganda delivered to your door. (laughs) The tip of the spear, says the CNET article, is the conservative website Red State, which the article insinuates may be also on the take from the anti-AB5 companies. Now, wait, so so Big Tech and... Uh, and Red State are in league. They are in league, according Got to it. and 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 I will say, as we all know, Silicon Valley companies and conservative websites <laughs> are always in league. Natural, together. natural bedfellows. The the author of the article does not come out and say that they are getting mm-hmm. paid. She says that very often public relations companies that are being funded by the anti AB five companies have in the past utilized other press outlets and insinuates because Red State has spent so much of their time on this that they may indeed be doing the same thing. Now, in response, Red State publishes screenshots of a group chat featuring Vina Duball, California Labor Federation representatives, and other assorted labor groups, staffers from the state rep Gonzalez's office and Dana Kerr, who wrote the CNET article. Red State's charge is that there is indeed a coordinated attempt to smear across the aisle on AB5. It is they that are the victims and a coalition of labor unions, academics, and journalists that are doing the smearing. Right, because I, I just just to make this clear, Justin, it couldn't possibly be that companies who want to promote something that is anti-union would use the same PR companies that work for other conservative outlets. That seems uh, that that seems to be beside the point. And certainly, a journalist uh, who is digging into a story would never be on a group chat with the people in her story. It's a mess. And the fact of the matter is, it's not going to be a mess for much longer because we are going to face a reckoning at the ballot box. After fighting the state on grounds that they should not apply to AB5, the gig economy companies took action. They have put Proposition 22 on the California ballot to be voted on November 3rd. This law would permanently define drivers as independent contractors and enshrine some payment guarantees. Should it fail, the companies will be forced to adhere to AB5, meaning they will have to classify their drivers as employees, taking away from them 
the core pillar of how they have operated to this point. This is this is great. Uh, so since they weren't given one of the exceptions, they're going to write their own exception. Yes. Uh, and take it to the voters. If Kevin Bacon can do it, so should we, says Uber. <laughs> Uh, and they're gonna they're gonna throw in some some extras to sweeten the deal. Uh, on the ballot, it will be called exempts app-based transportation and delivery companies from providing employee benefits to certain drivers initiative statute. Now there was some some controversy over calling it the it exempts delivery drivers from benefits. Uh, Uber was like that that seems like a partisan thing, but the court said no, it's not partisan, it's accurate, uh, and it is. It's pretty much what this proposition would do. If the voters approve it, it will define app-based transportation, rideshare, and delivery drivers as independent contractors and adopt labor and wage policies specific to app-based drivers and companies. So app-based drivers would be defined as someone who A, provides delivery services on an on-demand basis through a business's app or platform. Uh, so that's your Postmates, your DoorDash folks. Or B, uses a personal vehicle, personal vehicle, to provide pre-arranged transportation services for compensation through a business's app or platform. That's your Ubers and your Lyfts. Reason it's personal vehicle is to uh, keep the taxi companies from having the supply to them. But that's not all Prop 22 would also provide a minimum amount drivers could make. So they're saying, look, one of the things you're complaining about is there's no minimum wage. Well, let's write it into the prop. Yeah. Uh, they will get 120% of the minimum wage of the state applied to a driver's engaged time. That's from the time I accept a ride to the time I'm done with a ride, plus 30 cents a mile. And the 30 cents a mile would be adjusted over time for inflation. So as long as you're driving, you're making 120% of the minimum wage based on Prop 22. At least. At least. The, the, the apps the can floor. pay them more. The floor can get, is yeah, that. Yeah, but that's the floor. Uh, a limit that says, uh, a limit on work, the, the biggest limit being that drivers uh, can't do more than 12 hours of driving during a 24-hour shift. And this is also probably a response to some of the horror stories that yeah. we would read about uh, people coming out to big money areas like uh, back when San Francisco was a bustling town. Uh, this was one of the places where bonuses would be offered often to get out there and drive specifically to the airport. And you'd have these stories of people coming from the Central Valley or even as far as L.A. and just driving for 48 hours straight to make their money for the week. Yeah. And 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 these are all extra things that Uber and Lyft couldn't do and still justify themselves as independent contractors yeah. under the old rules. Yeah. So they're saying this is not only better because it exempts us from full-time employee status, but we're going to put things in here that we wouldn't be allowed to do if they were independent contractors under the Borello test. Uh, so a couple other things it does is require health care subsidies equal to 82% of California covered premiums. That's that's the uh, the uh, Obamacare in California. Uh, so if you're a driver who averages 24 hours per week, you get a subsidy equal to 82% or more uh, and 41% for drivers who average 15 to 25 hours per week. So not fully paying for your insurance, but most independent contractors wouldn't get anything so good they're saying that that's a yeah. Bonus. yeah and then they would require companies to provide occupational accident insurance and accidental death insurance again independent contractors don't fall under workers compensation rules right so this would say we'll give them some of those kinds of protections 
Now, overall, the fiscal impact of the bill, which is if you're not from California, every proposition has a fiscal impact. How much is this going to cost the voter? The fiscal impact of the bill is listed as minor increases in state income taxes paid by rideshare and delivery companies. And that's likely because of these benefits uh, that they're providing. There's some tax implications there. Of course, that's compared to the driver's now. Yeah. It's not compared to how much the taxes would increase if they had to make them all full-time employees. Uh, potentially, those those taxes would be much higher because they'd have payroll taxes, etc. For people living in California, I think the question that listeners would have is, is this going to pass? And as of now, Prop 22 looks unlikely to pass. Despite mm. dropping $183 million into a statewide ad campaign, and I can't get more than 15 minutes into a Sunday night football game without there <laughs> being a pro-vote yes on Prop 22 ad, a UC Berkeley poll shows that only 39% of Californians intend to vote yes on this. Keep in mind, it needs 50% to succeed. I just need to feed my baby, Justin. And thankfully, Prop 22 will allow my baby to keep getting baby food. And eventually, my baby's going to drive and feed his baby <laughs> because we are a baby-feeding family. Uh, mind you, 25% of those surveyed are still undecided. And their choice will almost certainly determine the fate of these companies in the Golden State and possibly the nation. Because for everybody else listening that doesn't live in California— this is probably going to affect you sooner rather than later. In February, the U.S. House of Representatives passed on party lines the PRO Act. By and large, this is a laundry list of reforms sought by labor unions, including sweeping challenges to right-to-work states. But crucially to this conversation, the definition of an employee is the same ABC standard set in California and enshrined by AB5. While the PRO Act is likely DOA as long as Republicans control the Senate, that too could change in November. I don't think this issue is going away. Do you, Tom? No, no, absolutely not. Uh, I I wonder what will happen if Prop 22 uh, passes. Uh, if, if it passes, there will be another move from the state, but I don't know what it will be because in California, you know, if a proposition passes, it's really hard for the legislature to do anything about it. Yeah. Uh, it's not impossible. They can put their own proposition back out and try to get it overturned. That happens all the time, but that's hard. That's a hard road to hoe or a row to hoe. You don't hoe a road. You, <laughs> you hoe, hoe a row. row. You hoe a yeah. row. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and you usually plant peas if you're hoeing. Anyway, uh, the, it's hard is the point. And and so I think if Prop 22 passes, it becomes more of a war of words for a while in California. If Prop 22 doesn't pass, then it's going to be Uber and Lyft digging in their heels, stopping service in San Francisco and Los Angeles, saying we can't afford to do this. Lawsuits against them to get them to ironically probably start service, saying you know, you're you're stopping service for bad reasons. You could do this. Uh, probably more lawsuits about noncompliance, uh, and, and it's, that that's going to be a real mess. I'm also very curious if Prop 22 were to pass, and I know it's probably not. But if it were to pass and the PRO Act then goes into place and says, yeah, but ABC standard, like let's say the Democrats win the Senate, they push the PRO Act through and the ABC standard comes the, the standard for the rest of the country. 
suddenly we have a flip-flop where Uber isn't under the ABC standard in California because of Prop 22, but it is in the rest of the country. Yeah, yeah. And they would then probably have to force this issue nationally. You know, gig work just came on so fast. And I think this is a moment where government is doing the best they can to try and do something. The question is, what tools can or should they use? And what do the people want? Yeah. And my my own personal opinion is that like so many things that are a result of the Internet, you need a new law. Uh, you, you need to say, OK, this is different. What Uber and Lyft have created, however they got here, whatever their intentions is different. And there are people who like the freedom to say, yeah, I can do DoorDash, Uber, Lyft, whatever in my spare time, make a little extra change. So the question is, how do you write a law that accounts for that and protects those people? Right. And gives gives them the the workplace protections that they deserve. And what should those protections be? Uh, and 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 there's a whole lot of range of debate over that, which is why we don't have that law. Prop 22 is probably the closest to that law. The problem with Prop 22 is it was written by Uber and Lyft and DoorDash and Postmates, et cetera. Uh, and so it's it's very convenient for them. Right. It's what they would accept. It might not be what every driver would accept. Well, Tom, one thing is for sure. This intersection between politics and tech is just starting its shift. been a co-presentation of the politics 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 podcast and the daily tech news show for more from both you can hear them wherever you find your podcasts Dog and Pony Show Audio.